Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right, guys, welcome in. This is the deep dive episode, the Thursday episode on the Chit Chat Money feed. We're talking Roblox today, a pre-IPO company. We're going to deep dive into the S1. But before we do that, Ryan, do you want to talk about our friends over at 7investing? They are our friends. That is right. They are our partners. uh, And we have our code, CCM, for 7invest. So if you don't know what 7investing is, uh, I imagine you do. But if you don't, they provide seven recommendations each month. And they have these detailed analysis analyses with those recommendations. And they're really good. And we've had them on the show a million times. So um, we obviously think highly of their analysis. and we think you will too, and we think it's worth the money. You get $10 off if you use the code CCM. Yeah, and you're not locking into a long-term deal. These are personable um, analysts. You can communicate with them. They're open. You're not locked yeah. into just whatever the newsletter says. They're for, you know, they want a continuous dialogue with people. We could go on and on forever. It's like but... a Netflix, but you get <laughs> yeah. a return on your investment. Perfect, perfect. Yes, exactly. And we have Ian here today as well. So, uh, Ian, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Excited to talk Roblox. Yeah, I'm as well. Uh, we're all getting ready for the weird Thanksgiving break, uh, yeah. but it's going to be a weird one. But I guess hopefully this, I think it'll come out on Thanksgiving. So this could be a good thing to have. You know, you're walking, trying to get away from the family, maybe a little bit, take a little break for a half hour. This could be perfect for us. Okay. And I'll just dive into what Roblox does. Um, this is a, first of all, it's a company that Brett and I are very excited about. Um, and we have been, obviously it's not in the public markets yet. I imagine Ian is as well, uh, but they're about as close to an actual metaverse as we've seen. Um, so their platform consists of three different services. There's uh, Roblox client, Roblox studio and Roblox cloud. So Roblox, Roblox client is where the users can explore the 3d digital worlds. This is basically uh, where the bulk of their customers or users are. And then the Roblox studio is allowing users to create games or create digital worlds within the game. Um, and then the Roblox cloud is their internal internal data infrastructure. So unlike most software companies, they're not using AWS and uh, their cloud. They're not uh, basically having to use another cloud computing software or cloud computing company in order to do it. They have their own, uh, but they have 36.2 million people that come to Roblox every day on average to connect with friends and the users in case I wasn't clear, the users are the ones creating these digital worlds and these games. And so it's sort of like the users are creating the platform for you and you've just equipped them with the tools to do that. Yeah, and the the developers, uh, I think there's 7 million of them, they get paid a revenue cut of what the other users pay for their products. Um, so it's not they're just making it for free. Um, there's businesses built on this platform and you can pay right there's I think there was three developers that made more than 10 million in revenue yep 
Um, and there's nine, like, there's like 900,000 that make some sort of money, whether it's like a hundred bucks. So there's 900,000 people out there that have products for people to pay for. And this is all through the money that they are, their internal Roblox currency is called Robux. Um, uh, it's, so, tough to, it's tough to say Roblox, Robux. But, but uh, basically you're exchanging real money for Robux and you're using the Robux currency in these digital worlds. Uh, but a little bit about the history, Roblox was actually started all the way back in 1989 when the two founders, David Bazuki, Ian, am I saying that right? That's correct. And Eric Cassell uh, programmed a 2D simulated physics lab called Interactive Physics. This was initially designed for students to show how cars would crash or they could build destructible houses. Uh, but then they officially started Roblox in 2004 with the same goal of inspiring creation and imagination like they had with this uh, interactive physics, but instead this time through the gaming space. Uh, which is what the business is today. And obviously a lot of people had free time during COVID and a lot of people were home. And so they had an incredible year. Usage definitely, yeah, it's bumped up and we'll get into the specific numbers before I get into industry. Uh, Ian, anything on the intro here? Anything to add or? I think you covered it pretty well. It's, a, it's an exciting platform that I'm looking forward to diving into. Okay, I'm gonna hit the industry quick. Uh, this is another gaming company. It's been a theme for us this fall. Uh, you probably know the gaming industry is large at about $150 billion a year and growing 10% a year. Roblox is kind of unique, but the main competitors could say it could be Fortnite, could be Minecraft, um, and then less directly all the big games like COD, FIFA, things that people can spend time on. And I guess also the mobile games. Uh, but Roblox is unique, as Ryan described. There is a social aspect for it, for kids. So they kind of have a hybrid social network and maybe they're competing a bit with Discord, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, in a sense, uh, especially for these younger kids where a lot of parents may not want them onto these adult platforms. Um, but think of it really as an immersive creative experience right now that is focused on being for kids. I think the majority of their users are under 13. And then lastly, they compete with the game engines as well. So this is for the developer side. Uh, so think of that like Unity and Epic Games. Yeah, this is really the digital playground. Yeah. I mean, this is where a lot of kids are coming to connect. I think the average hours played is like 2.6 hours a day. That's mm -hmm. a ton of time on this platform. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah. Next up is management. Ian, you want to hit that? Yeah. And just like you were saying there, I think it's all about the time spent on the platform. And so they talk a lot about, and David Bazuki, the CEO, the founder and CEO talks a lot about this too, just how much they're focusing on. How do we raise the amount of time people are actually spending on the platform? Um, and they, they've done that in a variety of ways, but as you mentioned, it's kind of um, interesting because it's, it's really focused on kids. And so um, I think over half their active users are under the age of 12 which is just mind boggling that there's a public company that's going to be, we're going to get an evaluation later, but that's going to be valued very highly. Um, and half the users are under 12 years old, yeah. but to dive more into David Bazuki, um, he says that Roblox is really fulfilling the vision of connecting everyone around the world. They care very much about, um, participating in this human co-experience category and not just games, but deep simulations. And they're really inspired by what people are creating. Um, you know, I was even watching a video this morning of people talking about how they go on Roblox to like go to high school, like in just as a simulation, they just walk around and everyone pretends like they're in high school. And it's this game that's like, it's not even a game, but it's just a simulation that people really enjoy. And they're having like conversations like you might have in high school. So it's kind of, you know, in my mind, it's a little bit bizarre, but it's also, um, 
pretty crazy that they're able to create these immersive worlds. Um, David Mizuki owns about 12% of the company prior to the IPO and has 70% of the voting power. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly how this breaks up once the IPO is priced and um, they put it out to the market and start seeing what the, the pro forma um, ownership and cap table look like after this, um, after the IPO, but we don't really have that information yet. An early investor, Altos, owns about 21% of the company prior to IPO. Like I said, some of these positions are likely to be um, diluted and they'll, you know, these percentages will rework themselves after IPO. So it's something you'll want to keep an eye on. But um, some healthy ownership by David Bazuki for sure at this point. Um, one other quick note I'll make is he does have fairly high compensation. He made $500,000 last year plus $4 million in stock options, which um, does seem pretty high for some for a company that's about to IPO. But given where their valuation is probably going to come in at, um, it's not unheard of. And oftentimes these stock options do get um, front loaded before an IPO so that um, founders and employees can kind of cash in on the IPO process. Okay. And then is that it for uh, management? Um, I'm going to get to the valuation, but we're not going to do that first this time. Uh, we're going to play the valuation prediction game after All we go right. through the earnings. Uh, so Ryan, I'll kick it back over to you and then Ian will do balance sheet and then we'll finish up, do a little prediction of what will come out um, when they go public. Yeah. The earnings were fun to look at. If you're looking at this S1, you're probably getting insanely bullish. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, for the last nine months, revenue was $589 million, up 68% year over year. They had 74% gross margins. Most of their cost of revenue comes from payment processing fees. Uh, they obviously aren't paying a ton for cloud computing because that's typically what most people's cost of revenue is but they have their own cloud so they don't have to like pay variable yeah. expenses so that's ca that's capitalized yeah right and then operating income was negative 206 million with a net loss of 203 million but they had 293 million in free cash flow or a free cash flow margin of 50 percent the sort of difference there was all because of deferred revenue, really, but they had $1.25 in bookings for the first nine months, which is a ton. That was up 170% year over year. Um, and so, like I said, the difference between gap earnings and cash flow was really due to $1.3 billion in deferred revenue. And so, to kind of explain the deferred revenue, it's basically the purchase of Robux, but the Robux hasn't been spent yet or realized yet. It's basically this accounting anomaly, but there's a direct quote from their S1 that says, substantially all of our bookings are generated from sales of our virtual virtual currency, which we record as a deferred revenue and then recognize that revenue over the estimated average lifetime of a paying user. So bookings is the number to pay attention to because it's really giving you the true revenue. And so that's why you're seeing this giant difference in cash flow and gap earnings. Uh, their daily active users grew 81% year over year to 31 million. Uh, from 2018 to 2019, DAU, grew, DAU growth, daily active users, was only 42%. So it only in doubled quotes, yeah. Still fast, in its growth rate, yeah. um, which is really impressive. But basically, they're showing you that at scale, they can be very profitable. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Should we do our balance sheet balance sheet first. first? Yeah. Yeah, I'll dive into the balance sheet. So pretty pretty healthy looking balance sheet, hundred or eight hundred and one million dollars in cash. Um, so plenty of plenty of cash. They're cash flow positive, as um, Ryan was mentioning. No debt on the balance sheet. But I will and Ryan touched on this, but I'll take a moment just to 
talk about some of the other items on their balance sheet because it's kind of interesting and sometimes um, I think helpful to understand the specific items that a company has on their balance sheet. So as you mentioned, there's a lot of deferred revenue on the balance sheet, um, about $1.3 billion, which might be, which is a liability and it might be concerning to you. But as Ryan mentioned, this is from cash that they've already taken in and that um, they're not going to have to be paying anything out on that liabilities. They're just letting people use the Robux that they bought. So that's what that um, piece of it is from. There's another item that's called developer exchange liability, which is about $46 million. And that comes from the, they actually pay out their developers um, in Robux, give them a portion of the Robux that they earn from their games that they've made. And then developers can have, have the choice to use those Robux within the Roblox digital economy or to cash them out for a specified transaction rate, um, exchange rate that Roblox sets. And so based on that transaction rate, basically what it's saying is that Roblox could be paying out up to $46 million in cash to developers. Um, but that's just, again, not a real concerning number. It's a very small portion um, of the balance sheet, but just something to kind of keep in mind about this company and something, if you're wondering what that is, that's what those two items are. Okay, yeah, and then I guess that's that's interesting because looking at the developer exchange liability will be something to track um, if you're you're trying to look for you know holes in any investment thesis. That is something, if that's inflating a ton, that could be inadvertently inter, uh, increasing their operating cash flow. And when in reality, it's not the free cash going to the business. Um, but before we hit the ad break, we're going to do the valuation prediction game. Uh, this is going to be a two-part thing. Uh, we do this for companies that we ha- are just going over the S1. I'll kick it off to Ian first. What valuation do you think Roblox will come out at? And what valuation do you think it deserves? I'm going to say I think it's going to come out at uh, <laughs> I'm going to go bold and I I'm I think it's going to come out at 45 to 50 billion dollars. Oh wow. It's unfortunate but it could be true. It could be true, yeah. All right, and what do you think what what do you think some a company like this kind of deserves? I, I'm again going to be a little bold here and say I think that's what it deserves. Um looking at some of the numbers based on uh some of the other comps and the sales ratios, you know, like Unity or um some other companies it's there's a lot i think it's in line with those and i think it's going to get a premium to some of those companies because of all the bookings it's not just going to be based on the sales that are being made but actually may be closer to based on uh, the bookings that they're making and so i think it does deserve a higher price to sales ratio than some of these other companies out there all right ryan i think ian might be right on what it comes out at i don't know if i'd want to buy it at 40 to 50 billion but the i mean if they got a bookings multiple of like 30 times which doesn't seem crazy for a company growing bookings 170 percent year over year with those with those cash cash flow margins yeah i'd be surprised if this came out anything below 30 billion yeah i it sucks i would love to buy it cheap but so would everyone and that's the problem so you're going to get a valuation that's pretty steep yeah it looks like they're on pace to push or they're definitely going to hit over 1.5 billion in bookings this year so they're probably going i'd say they're going to get in between 45 and 50 billion as well i think they deserve closer to 30 that seems reasonable but the 1.2 billion in bookings nine months is only nine months yeah so i mean 30 seems fair it's not something where i'd be like oh we got to put Every all their chips in at thirty billion dollars, forty five billion dollars is probably what. Well, it depends on what market environment they're in. But say it came out tomorrow, yeah, I think it would be upwards of fifty billion dollars. Yeah, I'm afraid this is going to go more the way of Snowflake. 
uh, and get uh, yeah. sales multiple well above 100, yeah. which is unfortunate, but yeah. All right, we're going to hit the ad break, and then we're going to come back and talk about other things with Roblox. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one, so you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome back in. Next up is competitive advantages. Ian, let's go first with you. Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about competitive advantage. I mentioned with skills a few weeks ago in our deep dive. Um, at the end of the day, Roblox is just fun. It's addicting. And in theory, it's going to become more addicting as developers create better and better experiences that are more and more immersive. Um, this has led to a leading position in the co-experience world and even the little Nas X concert that they had a couple of weeks ago where, um, if you're unfamiliar with him, he's the guy who wrote um, Old Town Road that became a sensation. And he actually held a concert within this virtual world that people attended. Um, it's kind of crazy, but it seems to be, like I said, it's fun, it's addicting, and should become even more addicting as time goes on. Oh, that's interesting. All right, Ryan, uh, what do you have? Yeah, so mine's the cloud infrastructure, pretty much every other business, um, any software business at least, a large portion of their cost of revenue comes from cloud hosting fees. So they pay those out to AWS, Azure, something like that. Uh, Roblox doesn't have to do that because they have their own cloud infrastructure. And so it was obviously a lot of costs up front to build this and install it. Um, but now it provides tremendous operating leverage and they're going to scale well and margins should expand at scale because of it. Yeah, I mean, those gross margins should be a lot better. They're going to have to invest more capital up front, uh, but hopefully that can benefit them in the long run. I'll hit mine for competitive advantages. I think it's very similar to YouTube. So Roblox focuses on building the best tools for creators of games and these immersive experiences. Like we said, this attracts you know both the users and the developers. This keeps developers around because Roblox is the best way for them to make money and it's the easiest way to build these experiences. And then users stick around because it has thousands of different activities they can do. I think a network effect actually applies here. Similar to YouTube, it's going to be a winner-take-all scenario, but in a larger addressable market um, and more than just video. Right. All right. Next up is future growth opportunities. Um, Ian, what do you have? Yeah, so I think their main future growth opportunity is going to be continuing to create tools that push the extremes of co-experience. This might be a bit out there, but I think Roblox can begin being used in the classroom going forward through um, really immersive case studies, deep simulations that could have students trying out what it means to be an accountant or what it means to be a construction worker, um, and just really have immersive experiences that have some educational benefits. And I think there's all sorts of other experiences too. If you thought that last thing was a little crazy, what I'm about to say might even be even crazier, but I think Roblox in some ways could become a sort of virtual office someday um, with people having interactions digitally. And it's hard to even talk about, but I think, you know, like those videos from 20 years ago when people were trying to understand the internet, um, I think there's some things about this digital co-experience space that we just don't even really understand how it could be used. And it's 
if Roblox can capitalize on this and become one of the major players in digital co-experience for years to come, it's going to be a big deal. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, that is a little bit out there, but I think I can agree there, there is a lot of room to run outside of gaming for these, you know, more replicating normal life. If you're just, everyone's distributed at different places around the globe. Uh, Ryan, what's your future growth opportunity? Yeah. Mine's less out there. It's really just expanding monetization. So they went right out and said this in their S1, if you're looking at it and they had basically, I think it was four growth opportunities and one of them was higher monetization. And so they have their subscription and they can juice more monetization out of their developers. But they also said, and this was the interesting part for me, was uh, partnering with brands. So they said, finally, we expect to work with leading brands to build unique marketing opportunities on the Roblox platform. To date, though, we have not created meaningful monetization for marketing partnerships. Each of Warner Bros. Pictures, Netflix, NFL, WWE, Marvel, and FC Barcelona have introduced branded content on our platform. That makes a lot of sense. If this is where people are spending 2.6 hours a day and they are uh, you know, 30 some million users on here, advertisers go where the eyeballs are and this is going to be a great place for uh, brands to market. Yeah, I'd agree. All right. Mine is going to be the joint venture with Tencent to bring Roblox to China. Uh, you may have heard us talk before about how we're iffy on China businesses, but I want to make clear that that's for companies that are ADRs from China that are businesses over there that we don't understand. We can understand Roblox. So if they have this partnership with Tencent, I know we don't, you know, we don't technically like it when whatever. You, you guys know what I mean. It, I mean, it would be dumb or almost irresponsible not to do business where there's that many yeah. visible consumers or users, potential users. Um, so we like when uh, businesses that we already like diversify and start to do business in China. It's just sometimes we have... We're, we're worried about... We have lack of understanding or some worry or concern when it's uh, uh, incorporated in China. Right. Okay. And then they haven't officially launched this co-venture, but they've invested a lot of money into it up front. They've hired dozens of employees for it. Um, it's going to be called Luobu uh, or something like that, Luabu. Uh, it's spelled L-U-O-B-U if you want to research it. And they mentioned it 24 times in the S1. So I think they're pretty excited for it. All right, last part of the show is going to be highlights and lowlights. Ian, kick things off for us. Yep, so I, one highlight I'd like to touch on is they seem to have pretty smart management. Um, about seven years ago, they shifted from advertising being their main source of revenue to this digital economy and the Robux model, and that's really paid off. Um, and so I just trust them to continue to make good moves like that moving forward. I'll say even today, I'd never really heard of Roblox much before today. I'd seen it around on FinTwit and like was like, oh, people are interested in this as an investment, but I'd never really interacted with it. But I set up, a, set up an account on Roblox and was playing a game in less than five minutes um, and ended up like, I was horrible at the game, but I was like, huh, <laughs> like I could keep playing this for a little while. Um, and that just was, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not really a gamer, but I just found myself kind of getting immersed into the experience and was enjoying it. So Anyways, I just think it's a, an interesting business and something that was really easy to pick up, and I can see why they've had this huge growth in users. Um, one of my lowlights is that it does seem like this is the perfect time for them to go public, which is a highlight for them. It's a lowlight for us in terms of public market investors because it, it will mean that they're likely coming out um, with the best numbers that we'll see for a while. Um, 
and the, the growth rates will probably significantly slow in the coming quarters, which we'll just have to keep an eye on. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is, I don't know, I can't decide if this is a low light or a highlight, but over half their users, like I mentioned, are 12 and under. And that the fact that they're already making as much money as they are, when half over half their users are 12 and under and don't really have that much purchasing power on their own is pretty impressive to me. So um, like I said, not really sure if it's a low light or a highlight, but if they can continue to grow those users and as they and build new experiences as they become older, I think it could be a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, if they yeah, if they can move up the age brackets, I know right now it's probably tougher to build games that are complex enough. Uh, you know, they're kind of leaning towards that Minecraft model, simpler, which is what children like. But as you know, computing gets better, as their technology gets better, they're hopefully going to move into older older age brackets. Um, all right, Ryan, what are your highlights and lowlights? My lowlight is similar to Ian's, which is they they put as one of their growth opportunities moving up market with age demographics. That's probably pretty tough to do. And having a consumer demographic that has the attention span literally of a 12-year-old or younger, um, you know, they they can move in and out of games. They don't have any loyalties to it. And it's not like they get stuck in these habits. They like to move around uh, with different games. And I mean, I would, count, time, well, I would counter though. This is not a game though. This is a, there's thousands. They said of, the same thing about Fortnite and Minecraft. Well, no, those are specific it. games. No, my, I mean, there's, it's a platform. A lot of people say that Fortnite is a platform and you can do different stuff within it. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's one game though. So, Roblox has myriad of different games for all different types, so I would I would disagree on that. But sorry, every time there is a game like this where it goes viral really quick, everyone says it's different. And especially the last few years, they have something that goes you know viral like a Fortnite. You're like, oh no, this there's huge staying power. But it's probably one of the most competitive industries on earth, and a lot of people are flocking to it, especially developers. And we're seeing a lot of stuff around gaming right now. I'd be surprised. That's my low light is there's always a chance that people trend away from this. And it's not like there's super valuable IP in my mind. It's not like a Disney where they can tap back into it or a Nintendo where they can seven years later drop another Mario Kart uh, with a different, you know, it's just, yes, there's a lot of optionality. Yes, there's a, it's more like a metaverse. And I, I said it in my intro, I think it's as much of a metaverse as any game we've seen before, but there's always something new that's going to come along in the gaming space. Uh, highlights, they, if you look at any part of their business, it's a diminishing cost structure, which is really good. The users generate the company revenue, so it's little cost for them. Customer acquisition is cheaper because there's a huge network effect, and there's very little variable expenses as they scale. So it's as far as a business model goes, it looks perfect. And I don't say that about a lot of businesses, uh, but yeah, I do like the business overall. There's just the concern of the age demographic. Okay, I'm going to hit mine. Um, unlike professional gaming studios, you know, Roblox is not hit-driven. The people don't really understand their cash flow. Uh, margins are strong. They're focused on safety, which is very important for the younger demographic. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about YouTube and Snapchat, other things like that for younger children to be on. If Roblox, you know, I think they said safety 88 times in their S1. That's something they're trying to focus on. Uh, moving up the age brackets could be tough, but I think it could be very valuable for them. Again, 2.6 hours are spent per day on the platform. I think that is definitely a highlight. And I also like how they're not reliant on one game. So it's like, they're, it's not about them creating games. It's about 
developers creating games, so they don't need to determine what the hit's going to be. One of their developers or multiple of them will create the hits, and it doesn't matter if one of those falls out of favor, another one can come out. I think that's great for them not to be relying on hits. Um, well, it's the same as your guys, though. COVID bump might be temporary. Um, might not be the same as the business in the steady state. Tough to find lowlights though, but yeah, that was mine. All right, last question. Are we more or less interested here? Ian, what do you think? I'm definitely more interested. Like I said, I didn't really know much about this company, really not anything until um, started researching it. And it, you know, all the numbers look amazing. I think it has a good product. And what you were just talking about there at the end, Brett, about harnessing the power of, some of the most creative developers in the world and that if the most creative developers in the world continue to be creative um, and use Roblox, Roblox is going to be very successful. And that's the thing that excites me about this company. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. And I, I do agree. I, from all the businesses that I've looked at in the last year, maybe the last two years, this is the most excited I've ever been about one. And not Spotify. No, well, no, I'm Spotify more excited about helps. this one. Yeah. Uh, I like Spotify as well, but the, I guess the whole thing is valuation at this point and we true, don't get to see true. that. Um, but there's just so much about the business model that, uh, benefits from scale and we're seeing that, uh, come to fruition and one, I mean, 170% growth in bookings, um, uh, when they were already a prominent business, they had mm -hmm. 17 million some users already. Uh, and then they went ahead and grew DAUs 82%. That's incredible. Um, but like I said, the, the age demographic is still a bit of a concern. Yeah, it is. All right. I'm definitely more interested. Uh, same reason as you guys. I think there's strong competitive advantages. And I think in a few years, there's probably going to be 100 billion hours spent on the, on the platform in a year. I mean, there's a lot of ways to make money on that. And there's also a lot of ways to make money on that without screwing people. And also, you know, providing a place for developers to make money and, you know, have, build a living. Um, it, it's, it's a win-win scenario. That's the stuff we like to talk about a lot where their partners are winning, the company's winning, and the users are they're winning. They're having fun. It's a lot like a Shopify, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I'll bet it gets a similar multiple, unfortunately, because, I mean... I one, guess, can, one can hope not. I, one, I guess, yeah, we're hoping for a good entry point. Um, but, yeah, they, they provide a similar kind of business model where they basically tool the developers to create money for them, which is like perfect in my opinion. Uh, but yeah. yeah. All right, Ian, anything else before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you, Ian, for coming on. Remember, everyone, we are not financial advisors. Even if we sounded very excited about this company, we are not your financial advisor. Nothing on the show is a formal advice or recommendation. Give us show suggestions on Twitter at chitchatmoney or email us chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com. We are actually not going to have any deep dives in December. We have some, don't worry, we're going to have shows up, but they're going to be a special show. So watch out for that. Um, deep dives will be back in January. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>